And it's early. It is early. <laughs> Damn. I think it's the earliest we've been in here. Yeah, I don't usually wake up this early. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's what I asked. I was like, you know, if it's if you were okay with it, great. If not, it doesn't matter to me. I was going, okay, now I'll just meet you another afternoon. Yeah. I just knew that I was going to be over here. And I was like, well, I mean, it makes sense if I'm already over there, but make sure that he's going to be up. And I'm Yeah, gonna... I'm here. All right, well, here we are again. Here we are again. For a little bar talks. Yeah, bar talks. Uh, this, you got to remind me of the episode numbers. I keep getting confused with these. Uh, this would be episode five. Episode five? Yeah, okay. I think so. All right. Well, yeah, this is episode five of Bar Talks, uh, where we get together and just... Wait, no, is this six? This six or five? Yeah, this is five. Five? Mm-hmm. Take your word for it. Well, uh, our listeners will have a better idea, because I'm sure you'll have uh, <laughs> some print down below letting you know what episode yeah. this is, and... Feel free to shoot us an email, leave a comment, and let us know that uh, we're, we're idiots and can't get our numbers right. Yeah. Um, that's a good old Tennessee education for me, at least. I know counting's not the forefront of our education here. Yet. Hey, I'm a drummer. I count to four over and over again, and there that's about go. it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, it's a new week, new day. Uh, we're still under the blanket of COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, more and more places are having more and more restrictions. More and more counties are starting to implement the uh, mask mandate around town and everything. And you're starting to see some bars start trying to, I guess you can say, kind of buck the system. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, we've talked about this briefly before, and I totally understand. You know, if you're a bar that, you know, you're running on funds that weren't meant to keep you afloat for six or seven months without business and revenue coming in, you've got to do what you got to do to try to keep your business alive. Especially for a lot of people when their bar is their livelihood. That's that's their total income. That's everything they have right there. Um, so I totally understand. Uh, and the uh, the mandate out there right now has been extended, and the bars are having to stay closed all the way through the end of the month of July, uh, which is putting a damper on everybody. You know, it's, it's putting a hurt on everybody's pocket, and understandably so. Yeah, and the fact that we're supposed to be closed, but we were given two weeks right at the top of this thing. Yeah. Um, when we went back to phase two, they were like, all right, 14 days. Yeah. 14 days was up on Friday. Yep. And Thursday, someday, sometime. I think it was like, yeah, Wednesday or Thursday. They are like, all right, now to the end of the week, and everyone just opened up anywhere. We're like, nope. Yeah. We, we can't. We, we can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I mean, I understand. Like, a lot of places cannot afford to do it. Your employees cannot afford to do it. Some mm-hmm. of these places were lucky enough to be able to retain their employees during this time uh, when all the bars shut down. Um, some of the places were able to keep their staff on hand because they, you know, they ran with mostly a skeleton staff as it is anyway, or they have, you know, four or five employees that are good, loyal, on-time mm-hmm. employees to the company. So they wanted to make sure they kept them employed because those people, I mean, everybody's out here. They, they got kids, they got houses, they got mortgages, car notes. You've got to be able to pay your bills. And especially right now where there doesn't seem like there's going to be any additional government funding, at least not at this moment. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not in session right now. Exactly. And, so, you know, for us to stay shut down through the end of the month, we kind of needed that money, if there was going to be any money, like a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. to be able to to do so. So I totally understand why a lot of businesses are bucking the system. And we know a few. I actually, I can't think of a bar um, in my local neighborhood that is closed at no. this moment. No, everyone's open. I, I think all the bars are open, even though all the bars are supposed to retain and still be closed right now, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of going to lead us into our bar news for today. Um, there is a bar in Nashville, um, Full Throttle Bar and Grill, 
have actually been sent by the health department a cease and desist order. They they are a closure order. They're mm-hmm. forced to close down. And from my understanding of the story that I've read of why this happened, they were open. They had been open during this time where we were supposed to be shut down. And, you know, they'd been told to, hey, you need to stay closed through the end of the month. And the health department had previously came in and been on premises and said, hey, you guys need to shut down. Fortunately, I don't know if this was the owner or if this was the um, shift lead or general manager or I don't know really how this business is. I don't know if this is a small business or if this is a corporation. But they pretty much told the uh, health department, uh, no. Just <laughs> <laughs> straight up, no. No, no. Um, yeah, uh, during this encounter, the operator communicated that the establishment would not be closing. And that, of course, made the health department's officials decide to go petition a judge for a closure order, which was served Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, we ne- definitely know that the health department's been out. They've been out prowling. Um, they're taking this thing seriously. At first, I think everything was kind of treated very gingerly. Like, nobody's really going to touch it. You know, We knew that they were out there, but for the most part, they were really kind of coming in and making sure that you had mask on or if you were supposed to be shut down, just kind of saying, hey, you know, you guys are supposed to be shut down, waving a kind of finger at them and just tisk, tisk, tisk. And a lot of those places like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. Absolutely. And some places shut down. Some places were like, yeah, absolutely. We'll just shut down for a couple hours, get you out of here and make sure you don't think about us anymore. Then bam, we're right back open. Yeah. Um, and so this is the first time I've actually seen where it has gone so far that we have bucked the system so much that they've actually had to go to a judge and get a subpoena to actually have the place closed. Yeah, and a lot of people are getting served civil warrants and yeah and stuff for not wearing masks or social, putting in social distancing requirements yeah, absolutely. or anything like that. And it it's interesting that only one bar so far has has been given this yeah i that's really confusing i mean because they have why been, just that one bar exactly there's definitely other bars yeah probably in that exact same neighborhood that are still open yeah um i don't know if it was just because they were outwardly blanket with them saying that we're not going to shut down i don't know if other bars are oh absolutely yes we're sorry you know uh we thought it ended on friday coming up with some excuse and saying yes we're going to shut down and yeah. you know to help Maybe this guy's just a dick about it and i was like no fuck you <laughs> Uh, that's how I'm kind of taking it. Yeah. Because there are too many bars that are still open that should not be open right now, and the health department hasn't shut them down. This guy had to just be a grade A hole and was just like, no, screw you guys. I'm not mm-hmm. doing it. I'm not doing it. We're not going to shut down. You can tell me what you want to, but we're not going to do it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should go out here and lie in life. I'm not telling anybody to be uh, dishonest at all. Uh, this is probably one of those times when it's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it reminds me of um, you watch Game of Thrones? No, never seen Oh, it. God. You're probably going to have a lot of listeners pissed off at you now. Yeah, okay. probably. That was like a part in Game of Thrones, like in the last season right there, where, you know, they were asking somebody to do something, and they asked, like, the one of the main characters, you know, I know you're honest. I know you're such and such the son. that You won't lie, and you'll keep your word. And they're like, you're right. I will keep my word. And I am such and such son, and I am honest. That's why I can't agree to this, because I've already f***ed up and did something else. And, like, Caused so much of freaking ruckus that everybody afterwards was like, you ever thought about learning how to lie every now and then? Yeah. Just a little bit. I know you're an honest person, but kind of needed you to tell a lie right there. And, you know, so I think that a lot of people are just kind of 
giving little white lies to pacify the health department. They try to get by under this radar and just try to make as much money as they possibly can before they get caught. Mm-hmm. I think this guy was kind of like, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you. We ain't doing it. <laughs> not, not happening. I, I don't care what you say. We're not doing it until somebody comes around and says, well, the judge has said you have to now. Um, so, I mean, this thing is, you know, COVID's still around. It's, it's still yeah. running rampant. I'm wondering when they actually have to go to court because I know a lot of people, their court dates have been pushed back. I mean, yeah. I mean, that exactly. And my question is, if you've been you've been served a warrant and you've been told that you have to close down and you have a court date that's coming up now, does that mean, like, what would happen if you decided to still say screw the system and hold us <laughs> back up? I mean, they're going to give you like a double. Okay, you have a double court date now. Double. Court. Like, I, I don't know. It's like double detention. What, what, what does that mean? What's that movie? Double secret probation? Was that yeah. Animal House? <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> huh? So I don't really know how they're going to go about this. Um. I'm surprised that the health department has not caught more bars. Uh, I'm I'm kind of on the fence of how I feel about this. Part of me wants to say, hey, the health department has put these protocols and things in place for a reason. It's to protect the general public. Um, same thing with the mask mandates. I know a lot of people hate that. Actually, they're supposed to be riding. Uh, I won't say where my place, my primary place of work is, but they're supposed to be holding a protest outside of my primary. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. At my work today. To go against them making people start wearing masks. Against your company? Uh, yeah, against the company and all entities. Oh. Okay, I guess I ain't got to breathe because we're trying to make sure they're like our personal names aren't out there. I work for a local school board. Uh, but yes, they're supposed to be doing a protest at the school board for making kids wear masks in schools. Hmm. So... Kind of a good thing I didn't go in today. Yeah, like, like yeah. I had already taken the day off before I even knew this was going to happen. I guess it just kind of worked out in my favor a wee bit more because I really wasn't trying to pull up at work with a parking lot full of people protesting out the front door. Yeah, that's well. It's not even like you work for the school board, mm-hmm. but you're not part of the school, right? I am. I am I I know I am employed by the Board of Education. Oh, okay. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I had that screwed up. Yeah, no. I, I'm I'm employed by I'm part of a department under department. Um I'm not a teacher and I'm not in these schools. I'm actually in the central office of the Board of Education and that's where I work. Um but yeah, no, apparently parents have all scheduled this big protest that's supposed to be going on today, and that's really mainly because they don't want their kids to have to wear Mask in schools. I mean, everybody has to wear these masks. Mm-hmm. Now, am I going to sit there and protest about making my kid wear a mask in school? Absolutely not. I mean, if that's what they need to be doing, that's what they need to be doing. It's not only protecting themselves, it's going to be protecting others. If you're going to be able to get my kid to wear a mask in school, well, that's a totally different thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with you making the plan and putting it out there, but I mean, how are you going to actually implement that? That's on y'all. <laughs> y'all figure yeah. that out. Good luck. Uh, uh, I, I There's a tell, reason I'm not a teacher. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you're telling me that you're going to try to make a bunch of five-year-olds put a mask on their face and keep that mask on their face for eight hours a day, you mean you have fun with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to make, start making them in sunshots and everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how they're going to implement that. But I, it kind of goes back to this whole thing where, you know, does it suck? Absolutely, yes. We've kind of gone over this multiple times before. It's not the ideal situation anybody wants to be in. But... It's a mandate. I honestly think if we all just bite our lip, stick to our guns, and just put the damn mask on, 
It's literally maybe the, in like three weeks we can kind of go back to a semblance of normal. Maybe our bars can be back open. Maybe the hotbed of COVID in our state could go down where kids may not have to wear masks at schools. Yeah, and it's literally the the least you could do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on, is it that bad? Is it really that bad? I mean, if I have to work, if I have to wear it eight hours at work. Yeah, I mean, if you get like ma- asthma or panic attacks or claustrophobia or something. They just stay home then. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's really not that big. Of a it's deal. it's not that big a deal. It's really not. I've I've got a slew of them now. I've bought probably ten or twelve different masks. I wear them when I have to. Take them with me. If I'm in my car, I don't have them on. If I've got to walk into a store, yeah, throw the damn thing on. It's gonna five minutes. Put it on. Take it mm-hmm. off. Be good. I really don't think it's that crucial. But people are really pushing back on this thing, man. Yeah. It's it's like you're you're asking people to like castrate themselves or something like it's like that damn bad really you have to give up your firstborn child yeah you know it's like hey you don't live in this world you gotta give a firstborn child uh no yeah that's something to protest about not yeah. wearing a freaking mask putting a piece of cloth on your face to protect yourself from the general public good god yeah um but i'm really surprised that there are as many bars that are still open that have not been shut down right now how they're getting by with it i don't know I mean, hey, make your money where you can make your money. Well, I I do know that, especially like out in our area, mm-hmm. the health department was around this weekend, and I heard they're like, if you, they come in, they kind of know you're not supposed to be open, but at least the people that were out in our area were like, hey, you guys are just we're just seeing if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and then they just leave. Okay, um, so they're at least coming in, making sure, like, okay, like, we know technically you guys are not supposed to be open, yeah. but you do have people social distancing, you do, all your employees are wearing masks, mm-hmm. we're just going to turn a blind out of this one, keep going. Yeah. And I think that's coming from employees of the health department realizing that, I mean, you guys got a business, you got a livelihood, mm-hmm. you got bills to pay. Yeah, so it, that's why it's really surprising that that one bar was targeted or yeah, that it, it's just them, because... They were pretty lenient on us out there. Yeah, at least in our neighborhood. I mean, and our our neighborhood in particular is literally like what ten minutes from downtown Nashville. Yeah, like as if you don't get on the interstate. Yeah, you just get on the street and go straight. Ten minutes, you're in downtown Nashville. So it's really surprising that you have some of these bars there. I would say around the Nashville area mm-hmm. that are getting deemed, um, and then there's some that are not. Uh, I, and it could also go with, I think a lot of the bars in our area um, or have been around for a long time. And they've probably been dealing with the same one or two people from the health department. Same thing. They probably dealt with the same people from like the ABC board and things like that for like the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. They've kind of built a rapport. It's got, I, remember, I remember it's like um, working in the restaurant industry when you had a uh, health department come in and they were coming to do and check temps and everything like that and see mm-hmm. if you get what your health department code was going to be. Like, yeah, the first couple times are weird, but you've been working in the same place. You've been seeing pretty much the same guy over the last five, yeah. six years. He's one of those guys now that's going to be, instead of saying, hey, you don't have a lid on that. You need to get a check on it. He's going to be like, we'll grab a lid for that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you go, uh, oh, sorry. Thank you. Oh, Jerry's coming yeah, by today. <laughs> exactly. You know, he'll come in and say, uh, do me a favor. Dump that sandy water out and fill it back up for me real quick. Let me test it. Okay, we're good. We're good. You know, he's going to kind of guide you to make sure you can still get a decent score. You know, if it's mm-hmm. something just outrageous, he's got to do his job, absolutely. Right. But if it's this minor, the little minor details that you would typically get like a point here and a point there, 
he's been working with you for so long, he's kind of like, yeah, it's it's okay. Just change it real quick for me in front of my face. Yeah. We're good. Then we'll leave it alone. I'm thinking that might be the scenario where you probably have some of these people who's like, well, I mean, this place has been over here for the last 15 years, and the same health department guy's been dealing with them for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. So he's not necessarily going to be, you guys are supposed to be shut down, and da 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 da. He's kind of more like, eh, I know what's going on. I know how you guys are dealing. This is kind of crazy. Like, Y'all got masks. You're doing what you're supposed to do. We're just going to walk out and turn a blind eye. Yeah. Um, maybe that guy, uh, since he decided just to tell the health department, no, we're not going to shut down. He's probably a-hole anytime they came in and do a check on us. Yeah, he's probably, he probably addicted You did to not with. build the proper rapport, <laughs> sir. Uh, maybe if you had calmed down a little bit and had a decent rapport with your health department, you probably wouldn't have got dinged. Yeah. I think that could have easily been a scenario right there. Maybe they would have turned a blind eye if he wasn't just a raging a-hole. If he was. But from his comment of, we're not shutting down, kind of seems like he probably was. Yeah. Yeah, well, that about wraps up the bar news. Uh, we've got Drinker's Corner coming up right th- right now. And uh, we'll oh, be... What? Sponsor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, r- right after the sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't let me get there. Well, you said right now. I was like, no, not... Right uh, now after the sponsor. Right now after the sponsor. Yeah. Uh, that's going to confuse us. 7, 6 Central. <laughs> what? What time is it? I don't know. It's early, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, we're back with the. Uh, now we got Drinker's Corner coming up. Yeah, and today we're going to be touching on the brewery Mill Creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mill Creek, I believe, is in Oldsville. Oldsville, Oldsville, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, forgive, forgive my southern accent. There's a lot of things here in Tennessee that uh, are not pronounced right. Yeah. Like uh, it's not Lafayette. It's Lafayette. <laughs> Oh, it's, I forgot about that. Yeah, you know, it's not Lebanon, it's Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon. Oh, dude, when I was on tour, we went to Santa Fe, uh, Nebraska. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, it's not Santa Fe, it's Santa Fe. I'm like, it's spelled Santa Fe. They're like, yeah, that's how we say it. Oh, you say it wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then we also went to Mexico, Nevada. Mm-hmm. Not Nevada, uh, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was another one, too. I don't know. Um, I definitely had a flat tire in Mexico, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we w- woke up, about to go ahead to the radio station for our first show, and <laughs> get a knock on the door. I'm in the shower, and there, Martin, mm-hmm. one of our uh, managers, comes up, and he's like, hey, Mike, you got a flat tire. Give me your keys. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Here. And he, he he was a cab driver out in Ireland, okay. where he lived and grew up and been driving. Was and, it out in Ireland? And I, yeah, he was Irish. Oh, hell Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I played for an Irish native country artist. Oh, dude, this is awesome. Yeah. Back, oh, back in the topic, yeah. Mill Creek, uh, Mill Mill located Creek. in uh, Nolensville, Tennessee. Um, great, great brews there, man. I do um, love their stuff. I think uh, one of their main beers to come out there is um, Little Darling. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a citrus beer. It's a citrus wheat. Um, dude, I love that beer. It's, that is a easy drinking beer. It doesn't matter how hot it is out. Yes, absolutely. It is the perfect beer for summer. Absolutely, absolutely. There's only other. There's only one other beer that I would say will come close to it, and we'll touch on that beer another day. And I think you know what I'm talking about because it uh, it's from your native land. Yeah, I yeah. was drinking a lot of those uh, last week. I almost literally got a got a six pack of it the other day. Cause it was mm. the gas station. No, I was the liquor store, and I saw them in the cooler. It's like, ooh, go the tall boys too. Oh man, good old wine and kugels. Oh, I gotta love them. But um, yes, Mill Creek. Mill Creek is definitely one of my favorite creek beers, like uh, like I like call them. Um, hence the name Mill Creek. Um, Mil- it's one of those beers that like I can be in the creek, be on the river fishing or kayaking, and I can just throw these damn things back, and they're just so light and refreshing and mm-hmm. easy going. That I mean, 
I, I don't know what else you can really ask for in a good yeah. beer, a good light beer. I mean, if it was up north, you know, Milk Mil Creek. Yeah, <laughs> Milk Creek. Milk Creek. <laughs> that kind of goes back to that pronunciation of places in different locations. Yeah. How we all get a little bit different. But I uh, got a little bit of a story on Milk Creek. Um, so uh, apparently this beer all started with a family trip uh, up in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, the gentleman, Chris, is the founder of the uh, Milk Creek Brewery. Uh, he was a guitar teacher, and he turned to like an avid home brewer. And uh, he was his goal was to try to come out and make a light beer that was going to be good for his brother-in-law. So I guess his brother-in-law was a big light beer drinker. And I know mm. we've ran into a couple of those guys, too. Are oh, like, yeah. you know, hey, they've been drinking Bud Light and Miller Light and Coors Light and whatever else for years and years and years, and they don't really want to get into craft beer. Yeah. And, you know, they think that all these craft beers are not really good. The flavors aren't great. I've known plenty of guys that... Man would not touch a would not touch a craft beer, but would drink the hell out of Pats. Yeah, and you know that's people are people are like that. You know you have those people who are just stone cold. This is the beer they drink. This is what they're going with. They're not trying to go out there and be experimental on anything else. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a hard problem with that. One of my part time jobs where we have twenty four taps on the wall, and we'll have people come in and say, "Yeah, let me get a Bud Light." And I'm like, "Sir, we don't have Bud Light here." Yeah. Uh, nothing against Bud Light. We only serve good beer here, though. <laughs> um, check one of the twenty-four great beers that are on the walls. Yeah. Those are beers. And you're, and, yeah. And that restaurant is also owned by a brewery. Yes, it's also owned by a brewery, uh, which I think we're going to try to maybe get him in at, at a later date yeah, as well. For sure. um, and that'd be coming from that'd be another aspect of the Drinkers Corner of having uh, someone who's actually in the business and actually owns a brewery. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be exciting. We'll get that at a future date, but. I think that's what his goal was. He probably had a brother-in-law that was just a good old light beer drinking guy. That's all he drank. That's all he always drank. And he was like, let me like try to expand your mind and your taste buds here a little bit and try to get you on something a little more flavorful. So uh, Chris went out and he tweaked a couple traditional styles and other recipes they've been working on and focused on making beer that just tastes good. And what came out was Mill Creek Brewing. So it's located in Nolensville. And that's just South Drive from Nashville. Um, they offer a variety of different beers in full flavor. Um, never overwhelming, but it's just really, really good beer for easy drinking with friends. And it's it's a good social beer. Yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of their stuff. It a lot of it's not heavy. It's it's clean, crisp. Absolutely, it's it's something that like you know because there's a lot of beers that I like that are heady. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person where. Depending on the season, depending on the weather, depends on what kind of beer I'm drinking that day. Yeah. If it's if it's winter and it's cold outside, I'm probably drinking a stout or a porter. Mm -hmm. If it's hot, I'm definitely drinking like a, a Belgian wheat or wit, um, something light, airy, crisp, easy on the tongue. That's not going to bog me down when I walk back out in 95 degree weather. Yeah, like my blood type is IPA positive, so I'm IPA all day, every day. Yeah. Um, when it's really hot out, I'm like, sometimes I just can't choke one down. Mm -hmm. I'm going for either Lil Darlin' or Summer Shandy, which is the other one. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's more refreshing than anything. Absolutely. And being a citrus weed, it, it's not all citrus. What Their their main one is, it's just orange. Yes. It's orange peel and coriander in it. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much like a blue moon that you would think. It's not that that kind of weedy Belgian... Uh, wit style, mm -hmm. but it's it's still an ale, uh, still a wheat ale, so it's still gonna be light, kind of have that uh, yeastiness to it. Mm -hmm. But it's got a, a great orange flavor, and is refreshing 
by all means. Yeah, and I believe the ABV on is about a 4.5, so it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's just going to get you trashed. No, and it's, and it's got a 83 sc- uh, rating score. Yeah. Which is, is pretty high for a, a smaller brewery like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a beer score is, is just a scale up to 100 to mm-hmm. rate it against every other beer. Right. Um, so, obviously, it's not the 83rd best beer in the world. Right. There's multiple other uh, beers that have that kind of score, but it's just a way to rate against other That's other other home brews and stuff. Absolutely. Um, and so we're just kind of tackling Little Darling right now because I think that's just our favorite. They mm-hmm. have tons of other beers and other great beers. Uh, they have like a whole great um, IPA line, which I'm kind of just going to dub it like the Days line because mm-hmm. they have the the juicy hey, the juicy Days, the Easy Days, and the Neon Days. And that's just two different types of IPA and then like a hazy IPA, mm-hmm. um, which are really, really good. And they have their Landmark, and their Landmark's a, uh, it's a lager. Mm-hmm. It's a vintage lager. Um, and then, of course, they have just like a normal premium light American lager. So I guess it's going to be close to as a domestic as you can possibly get yeah, in kind the craft of world. Pilsner-esque yes. type, of, type of brew. Um, and I know it's not surprising that they have like the hazy IPA and the mm-hmm. kind of New England style IPA because that's really big here in the South, actually. Yep. A lot of the, especially Nashville beers and breweries, don't really tackle West Coast IPAs. No. Um, it's all juicy, hazy, New England-style IPAs, which I'm getting sick of. Yeah. <laughs> mainly because I'm, I'm a West Coast guy. Right. Um, for beer. And, I mean, I've had those uh, IPAs from them, mm-hmm. from Mill Creek, and they're they're very good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big IPA drinker. For me, it's definitely uh, – I can drink IPAs, and mm-hmm. I, I do have a, a corner of my heart that does love IPAs. Uh, for me, though, it's not necessarily what I go out and seek. It's definitely one of those things that, like, if I have one, as soon as I get that flavor in my mouth of that first mm-hmm. one, then I'm more acclimated to it. And I'm like, okay, now this is more of an easy drinking, uh, but not necessarily necessarily my go-to. But definitely the Little Darling is always a go-to. Um, I would say between the months of March and August or September, um, I could probably drink those every day. Mm-hmm. And they're just they're that dang good. Um, like I said, they're not as... Not as heavy to me as a as a Blue Moon. Definitely not as heavy. Um, I think that's why I kind of got away from Blue Moons. I was drinking really heavy Blue Moons for a number of years, um, but they they're they're heavy. Mm-hmm. Or um, or even like a shock top too. Yeah, um, which is weird. So I have never looked at pairing Little Darling with the fruit. Like if I've ever got a Little Darling off tap or anywhere, mm-hmm. like it was just give me the beer. That's fine. Of course, typically uh, Blue Moons were served with a, a orange, orange wedge or wheel. Um, I saw a lot of people doing shock top with lemon, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've seen that done a number of times, and it's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Because I don't quote me on this, but I think shock tops along more of the lines of a hefeweizen. Okay. And uh, but with orange instead of uh, the hefeweizen, the German yeast. Right. Um, but hefeweizens, you know, you drink them with a lemon. Yeah. But yeah, I've definitely seen that with Shock Top, and I actually I like Shock Top better than Blue Moon. Oh yeah, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Oh god, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I used to be a big, big, big Blue Moon drinker. Um, but yeah, like you're right, it became. Re- I, I was drinking Blue Moon before it came really, really popular. Yeah. Um, and then out of nowhere, it just started running rampant where everybody was having Blue Moon. Everybody was drinking Blue Moon, and Blue Moons for me, any any beer that is served with a fruit. 
you, it's kind of hit and miss because mm-hmm. you're really relying on the bartender and the restaurant to keep fresh produce in the house and make sure that the fruit is fresh. I can't tell you how many times. That's probably one of the reasons why I stopped drinking Blue Moons because I would drink a Blue Moon and I would get an orange and that orange looked like it was cut like two nights before. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you just ruin because if you take that orange and then you squirt it into your beer and you put it in there, you just ruin the entire beer. Yeah. Like with Summer Shandy, I, I do put a lemon in that. Okay. See, to um, me, Summer Shandy is just it's so lemony as it is. I know, I don't but need I, anything to I, it. I, I like the, the, the extra little bite. The extra little bite to it. Yeah. It, it is sweet. It's definitely, it's not, it's lemon, but it's it's a sweeter. Yeah, it's definitely a sweeter lemon. I mean, it, it definitely takes, it ta- to me, the lemon Shandy is is lemonade. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's pretty much pure lemonade. Yeah. Uh, it's lemonade with just a tinge of beer to it. And I think that's why it's so easy to drink. Um, uh, yeah, you give me a six pack of lemon shandy. I can't tell you that I won't drink that whole six pack within an hour. Oh yeah, um, it's gone because they're, they're just too easy drinking. Especially if you put me on any body of water, then it's, <laughs> it's over. It's over. But yeah, Mill Creek I think is a great brewery. I've been drinking Mill Creek beers for I would say the better part of about five years now. Yeah. Um. When they when they start? Uh, I don't quite know when they actually started the brewery. Um. There's a couple different stories on here. Uh, and I don't think any of them really give a timeline of when they actually officially started to brew. Yeah, you have to do a little more research on that one. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they've been around too long. They haven't been around too long. Uh, I would say because they did have the issue where they actually shut down. Yeah. About a year ago. That was about a year ago. Year yeah, it was about a year ago um, when I think just funding wasn't there to mm-hmm. keep them afloat and keep them going. So they shut down. And luckily enough, somebody came through and was able to provide the funding needed to keep them going, which thank God, because I'm telling you, when that happened, Oh, I texted you right away. Oh yeah, you texted me, and I know me and my significant other. We went to the we went to every grocery store we could, and, and if they had Mill Creek Little Darling on the shelf, we picked it up because she loves it too. Mm-hmm. You know that is one of her definitely go to beers. And yeah, I think there was a while where we probably had like I don't know like six or seven six packs of Little Darling <laughs> just sitting in the fridge on the bottom shelf. Like, hey, you guys are drinkers, huh? I was like, well, no, we love this beer, and it's gone. It's, yeah. it's going to be gone. So we're going to just fill up. It was one of those times where I really wish I had that um that traditional garage. Uh, Fridge in the garage with just lime oh, yeah. and beer. That would have been the time for that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so thankful that they didn't shut down permanently, that somebody was able to come back through and fund them and get them back up and running because, uh, man, it would have been a staple for us to lose, and I would have hated it. Yeah. Um, Definitely one of the better beers to come out of Nashville. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the better breweries to come out of Nashville. There's, That's true, too. But there's several different breweries out there that um, they have maybe one or two beers that I can I can get down on, mm-hmm. but then like the rest of them are like these are awful. Yeah, these these are just straight awful. Um, yeah, I worked for a brewery here when I first moved here, and I'm not gonna call them out or anything, but I mean I loved. There's a bunch of beers that I loved from them, mm-hmm. but then there's also a lot I'm like no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, and that's the hard part right there because I mean I've I've known a bunch of guys who've owned their own breweries and ran different places, and I've you know of course. Especially if you're a friend or a loved one, like I'm going to support you in every possible way I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a couple times where I'm like, man, this is great, man, this is great, man, this is great, man, that is terrible. What the hell were you thinking? <laughs> um, but anyhow, but thing is, as a, I think as a brewer, you can't be as closed minded as me just following things to my taste buds and what right. I like because there's going to be people out there that like whatever you create. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just trying to branch out and reach a wider market of saying, you know, I think a lot of times you got to get people to try things. I think the one thing I've seen here come recently has been a lot of seltzers. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of breweries that never touched seltzer before 
they are now making several different batches of seltzer. One of those things I thought, like, I see it on the wall, and I'm like, blueberry seltzer? There ain't no way in hell I'm trying that. Like, yeah. I, I like beer. What is this? No, no, no. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, no, that one's, that one's gone. That, we tapped that one out. What? Yeah. People are buying and drinking that? People love it. Oh, well, damn. Yeah, everyone and their mother's making a seltzer now. Yeah, that's, that's like the new craze which, now. Which, it, it does make sense, because, like, White Claw came out, and then Truly, and, and that kind of started all... But well, then now that it's summer, yeah, now that it's summer, a lot of people are going more towards it, um, and I think it's it was a good way for breweries to touch on people who were not beer drinkers mm-hmm. to get them to drink their product. Uh, smart move, great move. I never would have thought that flavored seltzer with an alcohol all content in it would sell. That's that's yeah. something that, that that never even crossed my mind. Yeah, when it, when I first started like seeing seltzers and commercials for them or whatever i'm like well this is interesting yeah but not like something like like oh i gotta try that because i don't like seltzer water to begin with yeah no. I, I don't drink carbonated water just seltzer water yeah i mean with alcohol I mean, maybe i mean i i still have not tried one i have not tried a truly or white claw or the oh, yeah, like but like has a uh, thing out yeah, now corona has one too yeah I, I still have not tried any of them I, i've tried a lot of them and they're actually pretty good okay yeah i know a lot i know i have a a huge amount of like beer drinking friends that that's a staple in their fridge now mm-hmm. are these seltzers. And I'm like, I guess it's kind of like the alcohol version of, of LaCroix, 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 LaCroix. Oh, Another Wisconsin company. That's, there you go. French. Uh. <laughs> I know I can't pronounce it. I'm like, uh, ah, yeah. these are one of the few words that I see that actually I mean, has an X in it. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think they're out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah. Huh? We'll have to touch on them one time, or at least start touching on the seltzer part of it. Yeah. Uh, just kind of see where this whole thing came from of, like, who was the first one to come out with, like, an alcohol seltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, be interesting to see if Mill Creek might be one of the breweries that start following suit with something like that. They might. Um, especially when, you know, looking at the current climate, you know, you want to try to reach out to the most people you possibly can. Yeah. Um, try to accommodate everybody. Yeah, especially um, d- down here where it's hotter than hell every day. Yeah. So, how, yeah. It, has this been the hottest summer you've experienced so far down here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been really contemplating about moving up north. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll be right behind you. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, uh, my girlfriend's definitely been kind of like, so what do you think about moving up north? I'm like, oh, you want to get rid of this humidity and heat? It's like, I think she saw somebody, um, I think they might have been in Wisconsin. They're like, oh, my God, it's so hot. It's like 88 degrees outside right now. But it was yeah. like a 0% humidity, and we're like, yeah, it's like ninety six with a eighty percent humidity right now. Yeah, go go cry somewhere else. Yeah, my my brother's in Minnesota, and he was like, "Yeah, it's hot out today." I'm like, "Okay, obviously you just came out of a Minnesota winter, so yeah, yeah, it's hot to you, but come down here and start drinking the air because there's so much moisture." In there. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it definitely in Tennessee, and I know it's a lot of places, of course, and I think it's pretty much broad, of course, of southeast. If you're mm-hmm. in the southeast. Essentially, you're going to walk outside and you're immediately going to be drenched in sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might not be so much sweat from your body as it could be just the moisture in the freaking air. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I took a shower four weeks ago and I'm, I still haven't dried off. Yeah, see, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, it's, I'm so ready for winter to come back now. Yeah, um, or just fall, just something, just knock yeah, down the humidity. I think fall is definitely my favorite time. Yeah. Because that's... And that's where this beer really shines mostly for me. It's not necessarily in the dead of summer. It's 
that late August, early September, mm -hmm. when it's the temperature's around 75, 77, you got a nice cross breeze coming through, you're in the woods hiking, bam. Sitting on your porch or next to a fire or something. Yes, absolutely. Whoa. You can knock these back, and it's like the perfect beer for the perfect setting. Mm, especially ice cold. Oh, yeah. Mm. You, you throw a couple of these bad boys in the freezer. Don't make a mistake, as many of us have, and accidentally leave it in the freezer. No, they won't, because they'll drink them before they Exactly, <laughs> before they even get to the proper temperature you want them to be yeah. at. And uh, that's, that's interesting, because a lot of craft beers, you're not supposed to drink ice cold. Really? Yeah, so like like Lagunitas, my, my go-to. Mm. Um, craft beers usually drank around 45 degrees, mm -hmm. which, I mean, you want like a Bud Light or Miller Light. Yeah, get it down to almost frozen. Yeah. And... That's kind of how people drink it. But, yeah, a lot of craft beers are a little bit warmer. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's some some of that temperature is okay because I can deal with, like, a 45-degree beer. Mm -hmm. um, I think the hotter it is, the colder I'm really going to want it. Right. Um, but, like, I know in the across the world, mostly, I would say the beers aren't drinking drink cold. Uh, yeah, I know in Germany and a lot of European countries, I mean, they're warm. Like room, room temperature pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't do that. No, I, no, I won't be able to choke that down. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't do that. But yeah, no, Mill Creek, for me, a nice ice cold Mill Creek on a good fall, autumn day, you can't beat it. No. You you cannot beat it. Um, I'm waiting for that day where I have that nice covered porch and I can just have a cooler of them sit beside me. It's mm -hmm. like, yep, I'm in this chair and this is where I'm going to be for the rest of the day. Uh, anybody come on by, I got something for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Whenever I get a dog, I'm going to teach her golden retrievers to go fetch me beers out of oh, the yeah. fridge. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd I've be so much that. fun. Like, that's that's got to happen. Yeah. I gotta, there has to be, if you out there and you have your own dog training school where you train dogs to fetch beers, please contact us. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to know the information so we can take your class, be more than willing to pay for that class. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's going to pay itself back. It's, it's, a, it's a bark tender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. But yeah, man, Mill Creek Brewery, um, great brewery, uh, local, one of our local breweries that mm -hmm. I think that if you're not able to get it in your state, unfortunately, uh, if you're in close proximity, and if you're coming through town, you come through Nashville, man, pick you up some, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely stop by your look, local liquor store. Um, they're sold in grocery stores. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing that started to change here is that you're seeing more and more and more craft beers being in the grocery store where... Now they've had to separate the aisles to, like, domestics on this side, crafts on this side. Yeah. Uh, so you can find it. It's not going to be difficult to find. But if you're coming through the state, definitely stop by, pick you up some Mill Creek. And, hey, hopefully if you're coming through the state, this COVID thing's over with, maybe you can go take your tour down at uh, down yeah. Owensville and check out Mill Creek Brewery. I'm sure they will enjoy uh, enjoy more people coming out and tasting their beers and tasting their flagship beers and the product they out, uh, they're putting out there. And, um, I mean, that's about all i got to say about Mill Creek. I yeah. love them. They're I great. Great. Keep keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. Keep going what you're doing, man. Uh, I, I wish that if I hit the lottery and you guys were ever run into a situation where you need funding, man, you give me a phone call. I'll, yeah. definitely, I'll definitely fund that project, man. Yeah. Well, you got to hit the lottery first. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. Be, yeah. Baby steps. Baby steps. We're getting there. Baby steps. Baby steps. All right. Cool. Well, Ken, how the hell are you? Well, I'm just dandy, sir. Good. Good. So, for everyone out there, Ken is a... Producer, mixing, engineer. Uh, mainly just mixer the these days. Yeah. Ju mm -hmm. Just mean mixer these days. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Where you're from? How you started? Well, I'm I'm from the uh, the great northern state of Wisconsin. Ayo, go pack, go. Go pack, go. 
I've been in Nashville for about 10 years. Uh, moved down here to go to Belmont University. I liked it so much I stayed. Nice. So that's the abridged version. I don't know uh, how specific you want me to get. <laughs> we could go all the way back to... Starts when I was when I was four years old. <laughs> so being from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. that's where I'm from too. And no way. Oh yeah. <laughs> we've we, we've been working together for a while now. Ken's fiance and I actually went to high school together. And a good old Manty. Old Manty. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you you grew up playing in bands, a band at least that I know of. Yeah, yeah. I mean my um, my parents had a band. Um, I, my whole life and they still do same band um so just seeing them do the the band thing playing music was more of like a, a rite of passage than a decision in my family yeah so um just uh pick an instrument and go so and you were a guitar player well actually um i think like most kids i took piano lessons when i was really young um and didn't stick but uh, fifth grade came around. It's time for uh, band class. Mm-hmm. You can sign up for band class. And uh, I chose to be um, a percussionist because my dad played guitar. My mom played keyboards and uh, a little bit of guitar. And I sure as hell didn't want to play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, punching the nuts. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I regret that now because a good bass player... We'll never be without work, but um, I chose the drums because at the time it seemed a lot easier. I didn't want to bother with reading all those notes. All the notes. That's, that's why I chose drums. So I started off playing drums, and uh, I played drums for a while, all through middle school and and into high school until um, the guitar player that we were, uh, my band was kind of jamming with, um, left for college, and and we needed a new guitar player, and, and I dabbled in guitar player uh yeah. or i dabbled in playing guitar i mean and uh so i just kind of picked up <laughs> you were uh, dabbling guitar player <laughs> yeah so i picked up the guitar and we found a different drummer and the rest is history so heck yeah and i'm sure you probably picked up a lot of that guitar from your parents that's where you really learn or did you are you more self-taught oh um my dad um my dad definitely gave me some uh, some pointers and some licks and uh i didn't really take any kind of structured lessons Okay. He, he'd give me a little bit of guidance, and I'd go figure some stuff out. And if I had some trouble, I'd come back and and ask him for some help. And and uh, I guess a good mix of of self taught and and got getting some pointers from my dad. Yeah, see, that's awesome because like I didn't really have any musicians in the household. I think my mom made it play flute when she was in high school. I think my dad made it play saxophone when he was in high school. But it was one of those one and done kind of things. and never kept playing it at all. So I was really like the first one to get into music and stay into music and actually branch out from that original instrument. So you originally would say that you, of course, grew up playing piano and, of course, it didn't stick. Uh, but, of course, you still know. You know how to play piano, how to play keyboard and things like that. Or is it just uh, <laughs> I know how to pick up the phone and call Mike when I need some keyboard. <laughs> ah, that's the key. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, I can't play piano to save my life anymore, but... Uh... But that's all right because I got some good friends who do. So there you go. Hell yeah! And uh, so when you got down in Nashville, obviously went to Belmont. Your uh, what was your degree in? Uh, marine biology. Really? What? 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I would have known that. <laughs> <laughs> I came uh, I came to Belmont, uh, like most people, for a, a degree, uh, any kind of degree that would get me into the uh, quote-unquote music industry. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so my degree... Quote. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> my degree was uh, audio engineering. Okay. Mm-hmm. Audio engineering. And then I know you've worked for a couple of different studios well, like House of Blues, you're working with Soundstripe now. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like at House of Blues, and what was your experience through all that? Uh, well, I'll take you back even further. Before I worked at House of Blues, um, you guys had Brandon on, right, yeah. on yeah. the podcast? Yep, very first episode. Yeah, so Brandon and I actually met. Um, we worked at Black River Entertainment off Music Row. They have two studios there. They have Soundstage and, and Ronnie's Place. Um, and Brandon and I worked, um, together over there, nothing major, just setting up sessions, um, tearing down afterwards, cleaning up, stuff like that. Um, so it was kind of my first experience, um, working in a professional studio. Um, and the House of Blues thing actually came way later, um, after I had, uh, spent some time away from the music industry, mm-hmm. working at a, a lovely hotel bar that Mike might be familiar oh, with. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really <laughs> me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, House of Blues, um, I didn't work for House of Blues per se, but I worked for uh, a, produ- a producer who rented a room there, and I was just kind of his uh, right-hand man for a while. Um, and eventually... Um, took the job at at Soundstripe. Yeah, the producer that you were working for has done some of my favorite records. That's for sure. That I know of. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, I don't think he's going to sue me if I say his name is Malcolm Springer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's uh, engineered a lot of stuff that you've probably heard um, from uh, Matchbox 20 probably being the... the the one that I'm most familiar with. It's my second favorite band in the world. Right, so right there. Yeah. So what do you know what else like did, I I think you told me that he did some Google Doll stuff? Oh man, that's possible. Um, or maybe that's what you said probably is it might have been possible. <laughs> he um it seems like um every artist that, that I would bring up, he'd be like, Yeah, I remember being in the studio with with them and, and you you know, just any any artist I've mentioned, he had some kind of tie to, whether he worked on it or or knew somebody that did. Mm-hmm. So, you've been in the industry. You're looking at what about ten years? You've been in Nashville, so you've really been practicing the industry pretty much your entire life since your family member, your family was uh, had a, had their own band, and you've been participating with them and learning from them and all that stuff, and that's great. Uh, but what are, what are your plans and ambitions for the future? Is it to continue on the track that you're on with? being an audio engineer or is there any greater plans that you have that you're trying to achieve? Um, man, that's a really good question. I feel like I can, I can finally answer that. Um, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. On don't, the road. Haven't don't, we all? Don't <laughs> get me wrong. He's a monster guitar player. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I he, know, I know my three licks and that, uh, hey, gets those, me by. Hey, that's three more licks than I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, then, 
then I, uh, I decided that, that music wasn't going to be my thing, at least to study in school, because I did not have the discipline to actually sit down and, and learn theory and learn music properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so audio engineering was kind of my plan B. And at that point, I probably learned audio engineering because I wanted to produce my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, I realized if I was going to make it a living, I had to learn to produce other people's stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and diving headfirst into that world, I got a taste of everything from recording and engineering to um, producing to editing, um, even... Uh, playing on people's stuff, mm-hmm. mixing, mastering. After I had done enough of that, uh, I've done. I after I had done enough of a little bit of everything, I kind of found out that mixing is uh, where I want to where I want to be and where I want to move forward with. Okay. So I'm gonna gonna um, they call they call it niching down. I'm niching down to to just uh, just mixing from for the foreseeable future at least. Okay. And uh, like I've played on some of the stuff that you've worked on and that you've mixed and everything. It's some of my favorite stuff ever. But with Soundstripe, tell us a little bit about what you do for them. I know you're a mixing engineer, but I know you're constantly, there's so many songs that you mix per month. Yeah, so Soundstripe is is a music licensing platform for content creators. Um, And basically... um, when Soundstripe came about, they set out to solve the problem for content creators that that was music licensing. It was it was a headache um, to make sure that your music that you want to put behind your video, your commercial, your mm-hmm. your YouTube series, your short film, whatever, making sure that you were clear to use that music was a giant headache. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different fees to pay. Um, and they decided to make that a lot simpler by going with a subscription model. Um, you know, you play, you pay one flat fee per month, uh, and you have access to their entire library. Okay. Royalty oh, wow. free. Awesome. And um, what's really cool about oh, they have some sound effects now too. Oh, okay. With their, with their, and and then you can get you know if there's different levels of the membership. There's sound effects which I don't I don't touch. I'm not involved in the sound effects. Uh, side of things but you know if you're um if you have their premium subscription you get not only the 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 songs their access to their library you get access to the stems um Mm. of those songs so if there's a particular uh part in the song you find uh a little distracting for your particular video you can pull that out and have all the other parts or maybe you just like the guitar you want to pop that in uh, not have the full band, you can do that. But uh, I guess I'm getting kind of away from what Soundstripe is. Um, so how that works, man, is is there's, um, I think, I forget how many mix engineers are, man, because it's, it's, it's grown so much in the yeah. time that I've been there. It's got, There were two mix engineers when I first started there uh, as a mix assistant, and now I think there's close to six. Oh, wow. So And, and that was just... That wasn't that long ago when, that you were a mix assistant. Yeah, I think I started there in like 2018. I was actually an executive assistant. Yeah. So, you know, doing all the fun stuff like uh, um, running dry cleaning in and mm-hmm. and uh, 
setting up lunch dates and stuff like that, which I was terrified of. I can <laughs> barely manage my own calendar, let alone someone else's. <laughs> but uh, I stuck through it and eventually made it onto the music team as an assistant for one of their mixers. And then July of last year, of 2019, I actually got bumped up to being a mix engineer myself. Awesome. So, yeah, they, uh, they sourced the tracks from uh, composers, um, producers, and uh, they send the tracks, they submit the tracks uh, to the mix team, who then obviously mixes all the stuff, gets it ready uh, for the site, and that's kind of what really sets Soundstripe apart, is just that extra level of quality control. Um, everything you find on the site is going gonna, is gonna to pass through the mix team's ears and expertise um, to make sure that it sounds the best it can. I, th- I think that's what sets it apart from other libraries. Yeah. Do you do any mastering? Um, in a, I mean, in a sense, uh, do I personally by myself or for Soundstripe, you mean? Soundstripe. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> we, we definitely... Um, we definitely take into account, um, you know, the volume of tracks mm-hmm. and we make sure that, that they're going to be loud enough for use in just about any application. Um, we definitely, um, make it a point to have everything sound world-class radio ready mm-hmm. in a traditional mastering sense. Like, is there a mastering guy that gets stereo mixes and polishes them from there? Not as of right now. It's up to the the mix engineers to make sure that everything is loud enough and and polished sounding um, before it gets submitted. But in the future, man, you never know. Soundstripe is really committed to um, the quality of their library and making sure that they're doing everything they can um, to make it stand out head and shoulders above the rest. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's in the future someday. Okay. Heck yeah. So we're not going to keep you for too much longer. Um, so for some of our listeners out there who, because we have a, a brand of listeners who are either working in the industry, work or bartenders, servers, uh, some of them are musicians, and then of course we have some of them that are going to be engineers and working behind the grounds of, on the background of like what's really going on when you listen to the radio. Can you give a little bit more of an insight of what your job entails as a mixer? Oh, sure, yeah. Well, at, uh, at Soundstripe, I'm lucky enough to be given an assistant that takes all of the tracks and and preps them. So that part of my job, at least for Soundstripe, um, is handled by somebody else. But let's say I'm mixing a song in the wild. Okay. (laughs) Not for Soundstripe. (laughs) Normally, what I will do is I'll request um, the WAV files from people. Um, You can, you know, I'm in Pro Tools. So if you want to send me a Pro Tools session, I guess you can. But Everybody's working in something different these days. I find it just easier to ask for the raw wave files. I'll pull them in um, to my session. And, um, you know, things like like uh, editing and time aligning and tuning, that kind of stuff, as far as I'm concerned, isn't really in um, the job description of a mixer. Okay. I will do those things if mm. people need them. It's just going to be a separate step in the process so for just a mix engineer man what i'll do is i'll get these files that presumably have been cleaned up and are 
the performances are tweaked and tuned and everything is sounding great. Yeah, good, um, good quality recordings. Right. Everything's pretty much sounding like a song on its own. It's my job to take it to the next level. You know, make sure everything blends together. Uh, instruments aren't, aren't stepping on other instruments. Uh, everything can be heard that the mix sounds huge. Have you ever, have you guys ever like, has your friend ever taken you out to their car and like, man, you got to listen to this, this song that I just recorded mm-hmm. and they hit play and like, man, you're, you're bobbing your head. It's a good song, but it just doesn't sound yeah, the there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you turn on the radio and you hear something that is just like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's world-class. That's the sound. Right. That's, that's what mixing kind of does, man. It takes it from, from that, those raw tracks that your friend showed you in his car to something that can get released on Spotify or, or on a CD um, that sounds like a finished production. Okay. So kind of to wrap it all up, it's, it's pretty much saying um, you, you're pretty much taking what back in the day or as kids where we were always just using like four-track recorders or something <laughs> like that to put mm-hmm. music. So essentially taking like a four-track recording that you and your buddies did and actually polishing it to where it's actually to be where it's at a presentable stage where it can be consumed by the audience. Yeah, man, I wish some of my mixes were only four tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes they're in excess of 200 and you know, oh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm not being specific enough, man. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking about turning stuff up and down. We're talking about EQs, compression, mm-hmm. um, reverbs, and- reverbs, delays, you know, and, and, uh, and a bunch of, a bunch of, um, it's a mixing is a bunch of very small decisions that add up over time to make a big result. Got that you. makes sense. Got yeah. you. So it's the way I always kind of thought about it is like you, you got, you got a boy mm-hmm. as a kid you got to turn it into a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just got to bring it to that next level. So, so are you telling me that it takes 18 years to mix a song? <laughs> oh, God. I think it takes me about 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just it's bringing it to that next step, bringing, mm-hmm. making sure that it sounds like a song Absolutely. instead of just a bunch of instruments in a room. Absolutely. Right. It should be a song by the time I get it. I shouldn't be, you know, whipping out the drum pad and, and laying in a, a shaker track. Right. Or, or some cowbell or something, you know, mm-hmm. all the tracks are there. I'm turning stuff up and down, putting it together like a puzzle piece mm-hmm. um, and making sure that it's ready to either go on to mastering or if, if, if there's not a budget for mastering or, or they think that my mix is, is good enough, just making sure that it can compete with what's out there. Sweet. And awesome. so since our podcast is mainly driven towards the bar and restaurant industry, mm-hmm. I know you have some experience in that. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, when you were, well, you mentioned earlier that about the hotel. Mm-hmm. What, what, could you give us one main story of like shit that sucked? Like there's the hell moment, like the worst story possible. And on the flip side of that, if you have a, something similar like that in the music industry of like, yeah. this guy sent in this 500 track song and it's... <laughs> It takes me off because everything was just terrible and nothing was tuned right. Like, yeah, any of your horror stories from Dude, war stories, yeah. yeah, either side of the industry that you've oh, been in. Man. This helps just let the audience opens their eyes up a little bit more, and, and if anything, gets gains a little bit more of an appreciation of the different steps it actually takes to not even make great food or make a fantastic drink, but to even put out great product music out there for listeners to be able to enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
that is not just sitting in front of a computer and tap, 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 here you go. There's a lot of process. There's a lot of knowledge. But there are always going to be the good, bad, and ugly in any job. Yeah. While you're thinking of that, just to let everyone know, Ken was a the bar manager at a hotel here in Nashville, and he comes up to me one day. And he's like, hey, we just need, like, you want to bartend, like, one or two days a week? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll come help out. Come to find out, a week and a half after I start, he quits. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good and, one. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm done, too. Like, I was just coming to help my buddy at, mm-hmm. the, at the bar. And in a, you in a bit of blink of the eye, I ended up assuming his position <laughs> and pretty much lived at that hotel for a good nine months, months until he said, fuck it, they can find someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint one horror story of my time in the in the bar industry because anybody knows um, when alcohol and other people are involved, shit gets sideways real quick. Absolutely. But uh, I'm sure that you guys, being in the industry, have heard of the term server nightmares. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So does your audience know what that is? Do you want to explain? I, I, I don't we haven't think, mentioned it yet. We haven't mentioned it yet. So please, if you want to go ahead and explain. Well, a server nightmare is just something where, you know, you finally get off your shift and you go home and you go to bed. And, and what do you dream about? Work, of course. And mm-hmm. you're, it's usually a dream where you're put in the most impossible situation where all of your tables are wondering where their food is and the cook, you know, is nowhere to be found and somehow you're responsible for the entire uh, entire floor um, and you're by yourself and everybody's mad at you and then you wake up and uh, actually have to go to work. <laughs> and, uh, Do you guys wake up in the middle of the night still hearing a printer go off? Yes. Thinking that you need to make a drink? <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night because I hear the phone ringing and somebody trying to place an order. Or I wake up in the middle of the night with, hey, uh, we were supposed to get this, but we really got that. How long on this? Mm-hmm. Oh, those, those that, uh, that or either, hey, we've been waiting 45 minutes for that remake. Oh, the kitchen never put it in. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, those nightmares, yeah, nightly. Well, the, 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 uh, I guess I, I lived one of those, um, and that was probably one of my worst moments. Mike, as you probably remember, I think Wednesday nights was, was the music night at the hotel. Yeah, it was one of them. And this hotel was, it was hit or miss in this hotel bar. It all depended on, you know, what was going on in town and who was going to be there. Sometimes it was deader than the doornail and sometimes it would surprise you and just be so busy that you couldn't think straight Mm -hmm. you know and on Wednesday nights we had some live music and some um complimentary hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that and um if we had a good band in it it could get pretty rowdy oh yeah and this particular night it was me and and one server um I was bartending and uh obviously she was serving and it's it's getting busy it's getting a little overwhelming just for the two of us and um, on top of the restaurant, we also had 200 plus rooms of room service to take care of. Mm-hmm. Just the two of us. Oh, yeah. We would have to stop what we're doing, take a cart of food up to a table. But like personally? Up, up to a room mm-hmm. for food, uh, for uh, room service, and then come back down and continue serving. That makes no sense. How are you going to manage your bar? Oh, when no. Three it, was fucking, it, was, <laughs> it was fucking dumb. It was just one of those things, man, where the demand from us was so inconsistent. Like I said, one night it could just be hopping and another mm-hmm. night you'd be sitting at there, sitting there staring at the wall. You know? Oh God. Mm-hmm. So you just try and try and 
do your best to prepare for those moments and and make cuts when uh, when you can't, and then it'll just get busy after you cut anyway. Yeah, yeah. that's typically how it happens. So this night's going on, man, and 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 we're rolling a pretty good pace. Me and the the server at the time, um, you know, we both knew what we were doing, so we worked worked well together as a team. And oh, I don't know. Let's see. the The kitchen was open till ten. The bar stayed open till eleven, and I think it was probably about eight o'clock. Music had just started. What seven usually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was seven on Tuesday, Wednesday, and eight on. Friday, Saturday. I'm talking about music. When did music start? Yeah. You had, we had music that many nights? Four nights. Oh, wow. Was that new? Yeah. After I, I don't think we had that, that many nights. Well, <laughs> the anyway. rule they changed one <laughs> I mean, week after you left. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, I yeah. You really the, had him set up for failure when he came in. Yeah. Cause Tuesday, Wednesday, well, the writer's round was Tuesday, Friday of the first week of the month. Oh man, I I only remember one night of music. Maybe it's finally fading from my memory. Suppress memories, you That's know. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um anyhow, uh so we're we're going through this music night in in about I don't know, eight o'clock, so like right in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. She gets a phone call and I could tell, you know, from the look on her face that it wasn't good. And uh her sister had gotten in an accident with a semi truck. Oh God! And was in the hospital. Oh. And do I know the server? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. No. And at the time, I was just kind of like the acting manager of the restaurant as well. And I'm not going to tell her like, no, you can't go be with your family right now. One of the few managers that actually had a soul and a conscience. <laughs> I mean, because so, most didn't care. <laughs> so what am I going to do? You know. So I ask her, you know, if it's at all possible, just just please try and, and go around to your tables and let them know what's up. If they can close out, do that quick. Um, and then I'll come around and pick it up or at least let them know that you're leaving and I'm the guy that they need to talk to. So she did that, and I lived the server's nightmare. You know, the restaurant was packed. Everybody wanted food. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like all 200 rooms of room service wanted food. Mm. You know, and on top of that, you're trying to communicate with everybody over a band, which is no fun. Yeah, it's terrible. And, um, you know, our shifts there were, we got there at four and like I said, the bar closed at 11. So usually there for another, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour cleaning up. Well, this night, I mean, I stayed until 2.30 in the morning. Goodness. And I just like I just got it passable, you know, to where the crew in the morning. I mean, it definitely wasn't set up for them by any means, but it definitely wasn't the sty <laughs> that it was. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember. There was about what twenty tables in there. Um, oh, man, I don't remember. Yeah, it was a while ago. But um, um, you'd you'd probably have a better memory of it than I did because you were there a little bit longer. But yeah, I, I remember. In my opinion, I busted my ass to try and and clean this place up enough to the point where the the team in the morning wasn't going to walk in and get uh, bombarded. And I sent the morning manager a message letting her know what what happened and, and why things were the way they were. And it ended up with me getting pulled aside into a conference room with the morning manager and um, the the general manager of the hotel. Oh, I love that guy. <sighs> 
and getting my ass chewed. He's a damn Bengals fan, though. Mm. And um, what happened was the morning manager did not get my text because I guess her her data was turned off on her cell phone or something. <laughs> and I had sent out, you know, if you if you send out a group text, it usually goes as a, a multimedia message mm-hmm. and it goes over data. So I'd sent it out to a couple people to let everybody know what was going on. And, and I guess she didn't get it and wasn't prepared Yeah. in the morning. And then shit rolls downhill and I was at the bottom. So... Um, that's, that's one of my nightmares and, uh, I could, I could go into all my other ones, but I don't think we have enough time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that is one hell of a nightmare when you get put in situations. And I think what any of us who have ever been in the industry, a friend to a situation where you have a coworker who just a catastrophe has happened, they need to leave and you're pretty much said, okay, well, I got left with lemons. I got to figure out a way to make this into lemonade and just make it through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, Shame on her for having her data cut off. Who does that? Who <laughs> yeah. does that? Nobody does that. You're running that. a damn restaurant. You're on call 24-7. It's your cell phone. 90% of the time, you're probably on data. Why would you turn it off? I don't uh, know. I, 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 I call fib on that one. I think she just like <laughs> deleted that message and didn't want to have to deal with it because it meant she would have to come in a little earlier to get things right. Well, she was a piece of work it. to begin with. And then, and, uh, <laughs> then my statement's probably correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, brother... Thank you so much for sticking around and, and hanging out with us today. We yeah. greatly appreciate it. Uh, sorry for bringing up some old school traumatizing <laughs> stories oh, that you've laid to rest. And now uh, he, he's going to wake up in the middle of the night tonight. Oh, yeah. I already know. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You know, you know what, man? If you don't have a couple of those stories, then um, you got to go out and get you some because it, uh, it'll it definitely change who you are and how you treat other people. And Bill's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's one thing I, I think I stand for for the longest time is. I think everybody in the world should go and work in a restaurant. It doesn't have to be forever. It doesn't have to be full-time. It can be part-time. It can be only for a couple months. But it builds character and shows appreciation because then you realize when you're cleaning up other people's food, their leftover food, and you're dealing with people who are irate and upset and things aren't your fault, it kind of awakens you up to how the world really is. And if anything, makes you a better person because then it makes you want to go out and not be that person. No, oh, yeah. not be a jackass. Exactly. Take that with you, and then you take that that perseverance mindset into your music. You mm-hmm. know, if that's what you're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, I mean, it's not easy to make a living from music. No, and especially not in today's world. Right. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So you got to take that persistence that you learned from the the food the <laughs> from, from industry. the industry. And apply it um, to music, and and, uh, and it may take a little bit longer than you think, but you'll do all right. It definitely does build drive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's that's all the time we got for today. Thank you guys for listening. Is uh, we'll be back in two more weeks with another episode. Absolutely. Y'all have a great night. Be safe.